The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. All right. We're going to switch gears for a little bit, my friends. 339. Uh, trying to find work in one's field in a new country when you were educated overseas is uh, pretty tough. Now imagine being a foreign trained, uh, being foreign trained and a woman working in a profession where your co-workers are predominantly male. Well, that was the reality for one of our next guests. Caroline McCodum uh, got her degree in electrical and automation engineering in her home country of Cameroon. But when she moved to Canada, had trouble finding uh, employment. That's when the Association of Science and Engineering Technology Professions of Alberta, or ASET, stepped in to help. Carolyn is in studio this afternoon, joined by Barry Cavanaugh, the CEO of ASET. Nice to have you both here. Great to be here. Great to be here. Now, first off, let's start with your story, which, you know, starts in Cameroon, uh, where you decided to go to school to become an engineer, which I suspect at the time was um, a little out of the ordinary. Correct. You're right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So what was that like? Yeah. Actually, I, I uh, decided to study uh, electrical and automation engineering because, first of all, I was curious to know how that works, how that, the, that uh, automation works. And then after that, um, I was facing some challenges with um, other people in um, a, a field where only male could, uh, could be. And um, I decided then to prove people that women can do it too. Good for you. Good for you. How many other women were in your class? Oh, sometimes I was uh, the only woman in the class. Sometimes we were two, three people, three women in a class of 40 people. And so you finished, you graduated in Cameroon? In Cameroon, correct. You did. And then you said, okay, um, I'm going to move to Canada. Exactly. In Montreal, first off, you landed in Montreal and tried to find work. Uh, Tell us about those challenges. Yes, I landed in Montreal and I was trying to get uh, a job in my field of expertise, but I couldn't and uh, nobody would trust me. Uh, That's what I figured out. And I finally decided to go back to school and earn an associate degree. Uh, in in Montreal, uh, which uh, uh, kind of bridged me to uh, to the field of employment. So, do you believe that it was having a, a degree from Canada more that or that was able to get you that job more than your than your training uh, back in your home country? Exactly. I really think uh, having yeah having to go back to school in Canada was um, uh, a good bridge for me because uh, I, w- I was able to say, here is my Canadian degree. And that helped. So it didn't matter what the other one was. Up. So you, you ended up in Alberta. Correct. Ended up in Alberta and once again had a little bit of uh, trouble finding a job. Yes, correct. So what happened there? Yeah, when I got in Alberta, I couldn't find a job and I guess it was because... Um, um, my uh, out-of-province experience wasn't recognized and uh, employer didn't know how to judge my level of experience or my level of knowledge. And uh, yeah, so, so that was the tr- tricky part. So that is where uh, the Association of Science and Engineering Technology Professionals of Alberta uh, came in. Barry, tell us a little bit about the organization, what it is that you do. Well, we're a regulatory body for engineering technologists. We represent uh, somewhere between 17 and 18,000 technologists in the province. And and honestly, these are typically people who are trained in two or three year programs at uh, polytechnics 
in engineering technology. Um, we also have in our ranks a number of foreign trained engineers mm-hmm. uh, who've had difficulty becoming recognized in engineering organizations. The interesting thing, though, is that uh, asset some years ago decided that we needed to embark on really looking objectively at competencies of people who were coming both from within Canada and from other countries because what we were really interested in is who's competent to do this work, who's got the education and who's competent to do it. We embarked on a long process, very costly. Uh, We're the first, still the first in Canada to do anything like it. And it's, it's I think it's a very active process. We had several hundred volunteer subject matter experts working with us, and uh, we've got a, a set of competencies that really allow us to judge very easily and fairly quickly, I think, Caroline can probably tell you, um, whether you're qualified to work as a CET, a Certified Engineering Technologist. So before this, if someone was coming from out of province or out of country, there were no, uh, there was nothing to tick the box and say, okay, you match this. I didn't realize that even coming from out of province, it could be difficult. Yeah, it was, it's always been difficult, especially for out-of-country people, because the, we, while we did consider those people, it was very difficult to translate their education and their experience into our standards. So we needed to make something that was far more objective, frankly. And I think that's, that's always been the issue. There were always issues, too, between provinces. We've mostly ironed those things out between our colleague organizations across the country, but those were very real. There hmm. were barriers. It took a long time in some cases to so, establish them. So what does that look like now that if someone is coming here and wants to get a job in engineering and you want to make sure that they have that competency, what boxes are looked at? What are those yeah. What are those ticks? Well, we, we don't have all day, but <laughs> as Caroline can attest, there's a fairly comprehensive mm-hmm. list of competencies that you have to meet and you have to establish for us that you know what you're doing in those areas. Um, And it depends on your discipline, but you also have to satisfy us that you have the educational requirements. So either you come from an accredited program or you have to write certification exams. And those certification exams are meant to test you at the same level as an accredited graduate from NATE or SATE. So what was the process like to to get the certification? I had to write uh, two exams and uh, also provide some um, uh, how do you call that provide some some name uh, yeah. of people th- that they can contact to have some references some references yes. thank you thank you I yeah. was looking for the word yeah so um, I wrote uh, two exams the the first one was um, um, a theoretical exam and the second one was more technical exam so how did you find um, ASET though how did you find out about them and and find that they could help you in this yeah, I was uh, looking for solutions for for my problem, and one of the, my friends mentioned the name assets uh, in in one of our conversations, and then um, I went to uh, a meeting, a newcomer meeting, and uh, someone mentioned asset as well. That's why um, that's why I went on internet and uh, found found out about assets. Alrighty, and so now you've been doing this and you said there's not doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of co- companies out there that have taken it to the extreme as ASAT has 
No, in fact, we're the only ones in Canada to this day. We started the process in 2013, and by the time we had finished it and were prepared to go, it was 2016. Mm. So we've been doing it now for almost four years. Um, you're, you're obviously a leader. Um, is anyone following? <laughs> well, some provinces have picked up some parts. Yeah. Um, several provinces are using our certification exams. Okay. We've offered them the competency standards free of charge. Please yeah. use them. And a couple of them are thinking about it. Why was this important? Well, it's it's just important to treat people fairly, for one thing. And, and that really matters. I know how corny that sounds. No. But it's also a matter of this country needs talent. We need qualified people. We need knowledge. And we need people like Caroline mm -hmm. to, sh to put up an artificial barrier because we don't have the ability to assess their talents is ridiculous, in my opinion. We'll take a break here at 347 when we come back. want to talk about how the organization also supports women in technolo technology. We'll get onto that and why you think it's important as well, Caroline, uh, that more women get involved in, in this work as well. Uh, 348 on 630 Chad Afternoons. In uh, studio this afternoon, Caroline McCodum, close? Right. Uh, okay, yeah, sorry about that. And uh, Barry Cavanaugh joining me. Um, Barry is the CEO of the Association of Science and Engineering Technology Professionals of Alberta. And Carolyn is, um, well, she has a degree in electrical and automation engineering and has some challenges when she moved to Canada from Cameroon. Uh, but ASET helped with that. And uh, one of the things that uh, caught my attention as well about your organization, Barry, is the commitment as well to supporting women in technology. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we realized some years ago that uh, we needed to take some action. We have, at this point, we have 12% women in our membership, which seems a little low, to put it politely. At the time, we noticed that the numbers were 8%, so we think we've done a little better. Yes. But it's really important that that we manage to encourage young women to consider a career in engineering technology. I don't know why, but <clears throat> we have currently something over 20% women students enrolled in the polytechnics, but only 12% in our membership. So we're doing our best to try and stimulate interest in young women to make it a career they would consider. Then the next question is, when they've considered that and got the education, why is it they're not necessarily continuing into the profession? Same thing is true in engineering, mm -hmm. apparently. So it's, it's something we're working on. We have regular teleforums to discuss issues that women have in the workplace, and, and specifically our workplaces. And we're trying to, obviously, trying to lobby and trying to make changes that would make it effective. We did have an idea about women who've uh, finished high school and, and gone into a career that's maybe below their abilities and uh, often wind up as single mothers and trying to move forward somehow. Um, we suggested a few years ago to government that they could consider subsidizing them to do a two-year mm. program at a polytechnic um, to move them out of the pink-collar ghetto, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Um, that didn't get anywhere, but we still think about that. Still working on mm. uh, working on other initiatives. Before we wrap things up, Carolyn, what is it about um, uh, the job that you do? If you're if if there's um, if there's a young woman out there listening and thinking, oh, I was kind of thinking about maybe, you know, getting into engineering, but I'm a little nervous about it. What would you tell them? 
Yeah, if someone approaches me and uh, wanting to go to that, that path, I will tell them, first of all, you have to have confidence in yourself. You have to know that you can do it. If a man can do it, then you can do it. And the second thing I would say is um, believe in your abilities and uh, know that uh, the path is there and uh, you can have support from, um, from all of, everywhere. From as I said, you can have support from, from other people, you can have support. So know where you're going and um, have confidence in yourself. Nice to know that this organization had your back and, and was there to help you through to get, uh, to get you to work. Oh, yes. That's sure. pretty fantastic. If Barry, if people want to find out more about ASET, where can they find? Is there a website? Is there? Yeah, it's aset.ab.ca. .ab.ca, easy as that. All right, if anyone missed that, you can text me at 780-496-0063. Caroline Barry, thank you both very much for joining me this afternoon. Continue the great work, both of you. Thank you for your Thank you. Thank you for having us around.